Hi, everybody. Welcome to this episode of the My Rundle Biz podcast. I'm Rosa Cruz. Hi, everybody. And I'm Grayson Orfan. We're your host from Anne Arundel Economic Development Corporation. And today we are here with Jerron Rice, who is the owner of Magathy Payments. Uh, not McGothy, Magathy <laughs> Payments in Pasadena. So, hey, Jerron, how you doing today, man? Please just let everybody know a little bit about yourself, man. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Uh, again, my name is Jerron Rice. I'm the founder and CEO of Magafee Payments. We are Maryland's highest rated merchant services provider. Uh, I help businesses become more profitable by lowering their cost of credit card acceptance and decreasing their time spent on payment reconciliation. Uh, and so I got into this industry, started this business in 2014. Um, when I recognized there was uh, a serious need in the payment processing space for a company that was more relational um, and offered better customer service because most small businesses didn't really have that from what we saw. So I'm the type of person that when I see a problem, if there's no solution, then I'll create the solution. And that's how I ended up here. Wow, that's great. So in the seven years, I mean, that's a pretty, um, still, you're still a, a small growing business. So in the seven years that you've been in existence or Magathy Payments has been in existence or what are the, walk us through some of the obstacles or challenges that you sort of faced as a, a small business owner. Oh man, um, I think one of the biggest challenges early on um, was just sort of building a, a reputation in an industry that is widely known to be hated by small business owners, right? Um, if you talk to most small business owners who are not our clients, obviously, and ask them, you know, tell me about your credit card processing company, um, brace yourself because it it's not going to be good. So in starting the company and not having a reputation yet, kind of building that reputation and trying to get a new client base to trust you when they've had bad experience after bad experience after bad experience with people from our industry, uh, that was one of the biggest challenges and hurdles that I had early on. Um, to, to kind of get some traction as we, as we grew. So if I'm, if I'm a small business, uh, walk us through how you would deal with me. If I'm a, a retailer or a mom and pop, you know, deli, um, are, are you essentially going to help me set up like my point of sale service? Um, because it seems to me that, you know, once I open my doors, I'm, you know, when I call up, you know, Visa, MasterCard, Square, what have you, I'm kind of on my own of hooking all those things together. Um, do you want, do does Magathy Payments help out with that? Yeah, absolutely. So that, that's, that's what we do. So we are a, a merchant services provider. Uh, we have a relationship with Elevon, who is our processor. Uh, they are a subsidiary of U.S. Bank. So we represent all of the card brands. 
and so we start from the beginning with a merchant application, which is like the same information that you would need to open a bank account. We get that approved for you to process transactions. Um, and then we figure out what you're going to need um, as a business to accept those transactions, right? So the, the easiest way that people think about our industry, they think about restaurants and um, retail establishments because that's where they as consumers are typically um, using their cards. And we do have some restaurant and retail clients, um, but our biggest segment of clients are in uh, card not present transactions. Uh, so we do a lot of work with like home improvement companies, uh, home services companies, e-commerce businesses. So businesses that are accepting payments from their clients when the card is not physically there. Um, and we've sort of carved out a niche in that area because that presents its own set of challenges from a risk standpoint, especially when you're talking about large card not, card not present transactions. Wow. Now, are, are, do you also get into the, the payment um, options that a lot of us have gotten so used to using in the last few years, which is the Venmo, the PayPal, um, the Zells, things like that? So those um, services, and not to get too far into the weeds for industry-specific stuff, but those types of companies are what are known as uh, payment facilitators or payfacts. Um, they offer a, a great value for people getting started because the barrier to entry is very, very low, right? They're, they're almost like self-service platforms. You can go to Square's website, put in your information, and within a few minutes, you can start processing transactions. The challenge with that is you don't own your merchant account. You have a sub account underneath Square's account. So that makes Square the judge, jury, and executioner in the event that something goes sideways, mm -hmm. um, which happens quite frequently when you're dealing with the uh, card not present, large ticket transaction. So we compete against those services um, yeah. by offering something that our local businesses find valuable in um, better pricing. Uh, and then better service, right? The, the, the squares and the PayPals of the world, they have their place. Um, but the reality is if you need high touch, hands-on customer service from a human being, you're not going to get it from them, right? right? And I recognize that the businesses in the county needed that. And that's what myself and my team provide. So this thing, so Jerron, for the last two years, uh, a, a common theme on the podcast has been, it's been difficult in business to say the least, right? right. And so <clears throat> with these last two years, what were some of the challenges that, that you saw the companies, your clients face and how were you able to kind of rectify a lot of those things? And one of the things that, that I'll even say is that when when everything happened with the pandemic and, and and all that what we started to see was 
a lot of the scamming going on, a lot of the different uh, technical things going on where people had a lot of time on their hands and, you know, and, and, you know, the idle mind is a devil's playground. Right. And so they basically went and were trying to find all different ways to do that. How was your company able to handle not only those challenges, but the other challenges that were presented to the small businesses? So we were uniquely positioned, um, or I guess providentially, when this happened because we were focusing mostly on card not present transactions um, in the home improvement, home services space. So a lot of our clients were deemed to be essential, right? So after the, the initial holy crap, we don't know what's happening here, you know, the first month or so of shutdown when things started to open back up, like our clients primarily were ones who were able to work. Um, And so we saw some challenges as it relates to their technology solutions um, in the sense that the, the software that they were using had the capability for them to send payable invoices for them to, um, have a hosted payment page on their website to be able to accept payments. A lot of them were just old school and they weren't using them. Right. So they, they had the virtual terminal, which is basically a secure website where they could key in card information that they were collecting from their clients over the phone. But then it turned into how can I send a payable invoice or how can I store their payment information on file so that when this job is done, I don't have to chase them for three weeks trying to get payment information. And those were solutions that our gateway platform already offered. Mm -hmm. um, And they just had never used. So it was uh, a great opportunity for us to um, add another layer of stickiness to that relationship because Mm -hmm. they were like, okay, this is the service that you already have available. Let us show you how to use it. And it, it helped to, to make their business uh, run more efficiently um, the, the down, the, the backside of that question that you asked, um, we have seen, um, record numbers of chargebacks, um, since the pandemic started and, and a chargeback basically occurs when a cardholder calls their bank and says, I didn't authorize that transaction or, I paid for this service and that person ripped me off, right? Because the the card brands, Visa, MasterCard, Amex, and Discover, they have a zero fraud guarantee, right? So if somebody ripped you off, if you paid for a new roof and the guy skipped town and never did it, mm-hmm. you know, your uh, bank by way of the, the card brands will take, you know, put in that chargeback And then that money will forcefully be removed from that business and given back to uh, the the cardholder. And so we saw record numbers of of chargebacks occurring. Um, Some of it was just unfortunate because of the shutdown, right? So we had a number of clients in the hospitality space that did like wedding photography and entertainment for events and things like that. And, you know, um, limousine companies and bus companies that were taking deposits for trips and and events six months down the road that COVID completely wiped out, right? So not only are these businesses not allowed to operate and function and don't have any source of revenue, 
but the deposits that they took six months ago, those cardholders now want their money back. Right. And it was kind of a weird situation where it was like the business didn't have it, but the card, it wasn't the cardholders fault. Right. Mm-hmm. And so they, we saw a lot of um, chargebacks um, coming that way. And most people didn't realize uh, a lot of business owners don't realize that the chargeback window for Visa and MasterCard is 120 days from the date of the transaction or the delivery of goods and services, whichever date is later for Discover and American Express, it's one year. So when you take a deposit for a future project or a future event, and that event has not occurred, that chargeback window drags on indefinitely, right? And so that was a a huge, huge challenge when these businesses were then faced with, well, we can't work, but now we also have to refund these deposits that we took over the last six months that we use for operating costs because we kind of roll um, paying it forward. So that, that was a, a huge challenge that we, that we saw. Wow. You sound like you're in a really um, highly technical field, not just from the IT side, but also from a lot of the like requirements and compliance and all that, that you're under in terms of finance um, yeah. regulation. Um, how many employees do you have and how do you keep your team sort of on top of all, all the technical knowledge that you have to know to run your business? Yeah. So uh, right now there are three of us. Um, we have two um, offer letters pending um, for hiring two more uh, full-time employees. So there will be five of us soon. Um and yeah, so like we're, we're in the, what, what they call the FinTech space, the, the intersection of finance and technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our, our processor uh, helps provide a lot of that information as it relates to compliance. And, but it's just like any other industry, we, we are involved in certain industry um, trade organizations like the Electronic Transactions Association. Uh, we stay on top of you know, industry publications and things like that. Um, uh, the Electronic Transactions Association actually has a um, conference every year in April that was shut down the last two years or right. 2020, it was shut down. 2021, it was virtual. Uh, this year, it's it's back. It's in Vegas. Um, and of course, it's like, oh, hey, you know, me and the wife <laughs> get 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 the in-laws and the parents to watch the kids. And it's like, I got a conference in Vegas for three days. We'll we'll see you, you know, in 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 a couple of days. Um, but no, we we have to, we absolutely have to stay on top of that and stay educated so that we can keep our merchants informed um and protected. And that is really uh part of the secret sauce that differentiates us from a lot of the um, merchant services providers um, as a whole, but specifically the merchant level salespeople that are soliciting um, our clients and other businesses in the county. Uh, what separates us is our knowledge and uh, insight, right? That That's one of the most frequent um, 
observation and compliments that I get when I meet with a, a new client and I'm sort of figuring out what they're doing and, and how we can help make it more efficient is, you know, people say, well, you know, a lot about this industry, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> kind of have to, but yeah, it, it's, you know, just staying on top of what's new, what's trending, how it's going to affect um, our industry and then helping to steer and navigate the ship accordingly based on, you know, what we foresee on the horizon. Wow. So I think that's a, I think that's a really good segue to um, one of our favorite segments here on the podcast, which is our, our top five. Um, So Grayson's gonna, you know, obviously give you a more fun question in terms of your top five. He likes to do the, Rose is the downer. Rose is the downer. I know. He's like, where's your top five places to pay taxes? Like, like, I guess Rose's. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm all about your business and getting to the weeds of that stuff. And sometimes our our interview kind of goes off the rails and into What's the your weeds favorite top it. five bills to pay. And I'm like, no, I want to pay bills. But you you obviously have a lot of insight um, in in your industry, but also as as being in business for the last seven plus years. So, what are your top five, I guess, tips to to entrepreneurs that are thinking about starting their own, you know, their own business. Yeah. Oh man. Um, yeah. So I, I've, uh, I've made a lot of mistakes along the way and, you know, as, as many business owners typically do, cause you learn from experience. And um, I would say the number one is get yourself a power team Um, that consists of a CPA, an attorney, and an an insurance agent, right? Um, Those professionals will help you protect what you have um, and not make some of the costly mistakes early on. Uh, And I know as a new business owner, it, it, when, when funds are limited, um, you, you, tend to want to prioritize where you spend the money. Um, that needs to be an area that, that gets prioritized. Right. Um, and that kind of leads me into number two is don't sign anything that you aren't 125% confident that you understand. Right. Because the reality is when you're dealing with suppliers or, you know, anything in business, if, if the party presenting the documentation to you paid an attorney to write it, you should pay an attorney to read it and interpret it and redline it for you to make sure that you fully understand what you're getting yourself into. Because a lot of small businesses, especially in our industry, you know, they get presented documentation and it's like, oh, yeah, we just need to sign so you can get here. And it's like, sign, sign, sign. And then they have no idea what they've just bound themselves to. So that those, those are um, the two biggest. Um, I would also say this is a two-parter. One, know how to price yourself. And figure out who your target ideal client is, 
right? So that those, those are two things. So number three, and number four, figuring out how to price yourself. Um, when you're new to a business, to an industry with a company, there tends to be um, a proclivity towards being the cheaper, less expensive option mm-hmm. because you don't have the reputation. And it's like, oh, I can, I can undercut anybody, right? I can, I can be cheaper than anybody. And one of the sort of positions that we took as a company from day one, just seeing how our industry operated, um, we decided from day one that we were going to give our clients a guarantee in writing that our market, that our markup over interchange, our pricing, how we structure, that we would never increase that margin. Right. So we have, we, we pass through the interchange costs that the credit card companies assign. And then we have a fixed margin on top of that. And what's common in our industry is to lock a business into a contract, give them a ridiculously low rate. That's good for three months, six months. And then after that, it skyrockets and they're trapped in this contract. So from day one, we decided we were going to do a month to month agreement with no cancellation fee. I tell people if I suck, fire me. Um, But we also give a guarantee in writing that our margin will never increase. The problem with that is if you don't know how to price yourself, if you run around wanting to be the cheapest guy in town and undercutting everybody else, you'll quickly find that you can't scale a business that way, right? You can't offer great customer service and still be the absolute cheapest. Like you, you kind of have to find sort of that balance of good value where we can save you money and offer you great customer service, but we're also going to charge what allows us to keep this business running, right? Um, and then that kind of ties into finding your ideal client. Um, there, there's also sort of a tendency to want every business or every uh, account that you can, every customer that you can get. Um, and there's a, a shotgun short, sort of spray and pray approach to um, getting new business. But I have found that the faster you're able to identify who is the ideal prospect based on your experiences, like who is that ideal person? Right. Um, and stick to pursuing that person. Um, You don't want to be, you can't be everything to everybody, right? But if you recognize this demographic of client is where we have been the most successful, where we've got the best margins, the best retention, the best relationship, the best service, everything, identify those people, find them and stick to them. your life is going to be so much easier not having to deal with clients and customers that are a headache because you sacrificed your principles and lowered your price to get the business. And then it's like the person that made you drop your price the most that gives you the least amount of margin is the one who expects the most from you. Right. And it's, it's like this weird, like, how does this work? You know, and then lastly, 
Um, number five, I would say. Treat your employees well, right? Um, before I had employees, the the hundred percent of the focus was clients, 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 clients. And then once I hired employees, it's not that the clients took a back seat, right? But sort of the the priority shifted in the sense that if I prioritize the employees the employees will take care of the clients. Yeah. If I prioritize the clients, oftentimes the, the employees kind of get run over in that process, right? And so, I mean, I have had to threaten to fire clients who won't speak respectfully to my employees, right? Like that's not going to happen, right? I, I can find another client. This, this employee has been with me for years and I love her like family, like yeah. we're, we're not having that. Right? right. So when you treat your employees well, when you pay them well, when you take care of their families and, and things like that, like a lot of people want to compliment us on the, su- the success of our business, but it's, it's them. Right. I, I just provide an environment where they can grow and treat them like human beings and pay them well and offer good benefits and, flexible schedules that, you know, they work from home. Like I just created an environment that they want to stick around yep. and everything else kind of worked itself out. So important, especially in this job market too. That's a great yeah, philosophy. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, I always, I always say it's like uh, putting quality things into your car. You know what I mean? Like once you put quality things into your car, your car will never let you down. So if you put quality things into your employees, then and you create that environment where it's comfortable and where people want to come to work, then, you know, it gives you, you know, they give you your all, their all and, you know, your company benefits. So people, people who feel appreciated will always do more than is expected of them. Sure. hundred percent of the time. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, for my top five things, right? So you you talk you you we talked offline, but you were talking about you're 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 a father of youngins, of 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 of, of a, a beautiful young family, right? What are your top five places? And I think we can already tell. <laughs> what are your top five places to spend your money in the county? Oh man, okay, so. I had to plug a couple of clients because I do spend money there. Sure. Um, Bay Area Computers and Hobbies in uh, Pasadena. Um, Chris owns a computer repair shop uh, and they also do RC cars and video games and things like that. My son loves RC cars. They've got an indoor track. Um, Fantastic. Chris Matthews, uh, he and Misha have been clients uh, for seven years. Uh, he was probably like the third or fourth client that, that I signed up when I first got started. Uh, it's been great. Uh, another place that I like to spend money is, is car works in Pasadena. Uh, he was actually the second client that I ever signed up. And, um, if you see me around town, I've got a big Ram 3,500 truck that's wrapped in purple Magathy and, uh, 
I love that truck like family. And so like whenever I need to, you know, tint the windows or I put a leveling kit on and things like that, to get stuff done to, to trick the truck out. I, I go to car works. Um, uh, Cindy's hot shots in Glen Burnie. Love it. I am a, a big uh, second amendment firearms advocate. I'm in the process of getting my FFL. Uh, I have a wear and carry permit. And so I shoot a lot. Uh, and probably spend too much money. Um, but that is a good place to dump some cash. Um, and then on the, the food side, um, uh, Ginza in Severna Park, uh, my wife and I are sushi snobs, right? Like I, I am a absolute, like there are times where she wants to order sushi for like carry out or, or delivery. And to me, that just sounds so foreign. Like I have to sit at the sushi bar. Like I, I don't even like sitting at tables. I need to sit at the sushi bar and, you know, converse with the chef and watch them prepare everything and get the, you know, daily specials and that sort of thing. So I'm, I'm definitely a sushi snob. Ginza is our place to go. And then, uh, my wife's favorite is Mexican and me Pueblo is like, yeah, it's, it's as good as it gets. Right. And so we, we started at the original in Glen Burnie years and years ago. Um, the, uh, me Pueblo too is right up the street from the office. So, um, they know my carry out order. Like (laughs) as soon as they pick up the phone, they, they know who it is and what I want. Uh, because I, I frequently, uh, order lunch there. Um, so that's, that's where we spend our money in, in County. Yeah. Well, me Pueblos see, I mean, that is, you, you, you put a margarita in front of me, plus, a you know, a combo meal from me Pueblo and I'm pretty much all set. So I, <laughs> I get the, I get the chori pollo, which is the, it, it's, it's like a roast con pollo, but it's got chorizo uh-huh. and queso all over it. Like, it's just, <laughs> There you go. <laughs> Speaking of which, it's lunchtime now. I, that's what I'm. That's what I'm gonna do today. Cause I, y'all right. got me thinking about it now. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you know, thanks for uh, talking to us today. Absolutely. Um, we really enjoyed it, and really just getting to a lot of your your philosophy, your business philosophy as an entrepreneur, um, as well as you giving a shout out to some businesses, which I'm pretty sure. I may note of, and I will be eating at Ginza. I haven't been yet, but I probably will. You won't um, be disappointed. I promise. Awesome. But thank you so much for joining us. And um, for those of you who are watching, thank you for watching. You can check out all our social media channels um, where we will be airing um, this podcast as well as other future podcasts. You could also check out our YouTube channel and our website for past episodes of our podcast. But until the next one, Thanks for joining us and uh, see you all again on the My Rundle Biz podcast. Can I add one last minute plug? Yes. Please. Okay. So the inclusive ventures program for uh, the Anne Arundel County Economic Development Corporation was fantastic. I am a graduate of cohort two. Um, There was so much valuable information uh, that small business owners Um, specifically minority business owners need to learn and understand. Um, I would highly recommend it. I know that they're starting 
uh, registration and application for the next cohort. But the information that you'll learn is, is invaluable to your business. And then you'll also meet a lot of fellow business owners that are going through um, similar challenges that you are. And um, most of the, the people that were in our class, we've kept in touch and, and we're working on bringing them on as, as clients. So it's been a, a huge opportunity for, for growth and I, I couldn't recommend it highly. Well, thank you so much for the shout out. I appreciate it. And um, for those of you watching this podcast, if you go onto our website, arundelbiz.org, just click on the minority business link and it'll take you right to our inclusive ventures program page. So you could learn more about it. And we really hope to gin up a lot of interest from small businesses that want to be part of that program. And um, I'm so pleased that you got a lot out of it, really. Yeah, absolutely. It was wonderful. Great. Awesome. Well, then we will see you all on the next episode of My Arundel Biz podcast. Have a great day, everybody. Mm -hmm.